From the stuff your mother never told you to the stuff your doctor never learned, On Health is what happens when a midwife plus a Yale-trained MD shares about all things women's health, from periods to menopause, sex to reproductive health politics, motherhood to mental health. Join me for taboo-busting conversations that demystify and destigmatize our bodies, all while bridging the gap between conventional medicine and wellness. Along the way, we'll be exploring the science and wisdom of how our bodies work, what makes us well, what gets in the way, and how we can live our best lives on our terms. When it comes to women's health and well-being, there's nothing we won't talk about. The new medicine for women is here. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, this is Dr. Aviva. Hi, Dr. Aviva. My name's JJ, and I just have a quick question for you. Um, I was on the pill for years and I've gone off of it, um, because my partner and I have been trying to get pregnant and I've really been struggling to conceive. And I'm just wondering, did the pill ruin my fertility in any way? Um, yeah. Or any insight you might have on that. Thank you. JJ, you're definitely not alone in having concerns about the pill's effect on fertility. And I hope that this episode helps you exhale. A 2019 Danish survey of over 2,000 women who had used combined oral contraceptives or COCs, meaning various combinations found in estrogen, progestin-containing birth control pills, found that they also shared these worries. 66% of current users and 52% of past users had considered whether or not combined COC use could affect future fertility. Nearly 50% of both of those groups of women believed that COC use could impair conception rates after discontinuation. The majority of these women believed that the impairment was only temporary, but 26% of current and 23% of past users thought the chance to become pregnant could be persistently decreased beyond three months after discontinuation. 28% of current users and 19% of past users believed COCs could diminish their ovarian reserve more permanently, while 14% of current and 11% of past users believed that lack of ovulation could spare the eggs. 22% of current users and 35% of past users had heard primarily from female friends that a short break of one to two months during long-term combined oral contraceptive use was healthy. So clearly, women are worried. And while there are certainly risks to taking the pill, as I'll be talking about in an upcoming episode, the data is, good news, overwhelmingly reassuring that you have not incurred lasting damage. And in fact, surprisingly, some research even suggests some potential benefits to fertility. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's review a tiny bit about what the pill does and also why women are so concerned. How the pill and other hormonal contraceptives affect ovulation. Perhaps the biggest concerns arise from the fact that contrary to the myth we're often told that the pill regulates our menstrual cycle, in fact, the pill suppresses our menstrual cycle, including the signals that come from the brain that trigger ovulation. But wait, you say, I have a period every month when I'm taking the pill. Guess again, that's not a true period at all. 
It's what's called breakthrough bleeding, and it's due to placebo pills built into your monthly cycle of taking synthetic hormones. And when you're on the placebo, that synthetic hormone level leads to a drop in your systemic hormones, causing what mimics a period. Now, it's the suppression of ovulation that becomes the focal point of whether oral contraceptives can have a lasting and impairing impact on ovulation after you've discontinued taking the pill, and therefore fertility in the months or even years following hormonal contraceptive use. And there is the reality that many of us do hear stories about periods and ovulation taking some time to return after our friend or sister has stopped taking the pill. And this naturally makes us feel worried particularly if we're hoping to be able to stop using it and get pregnant in the next cycle or several cycles. So let's take a look about what the data tells us about this. Many studies do confirm what many women experience, that there is a delay in the return of fertility after coming off the pill and other hormonal methods. However, before you get too worried here, studies also consistently confirm that this delay is slight and it's just temporary. According to a large 2020 study using data from nearly 18,000 women in North America and Denmark, a big study by any standards, women who had been using an oral contraceptive saw a return to normal fertility after an average of three menstrual cycles. Comparatively, for users of IUDs, the average return was two cycles. For the ring, it was three cycles. For the patch, it was four cycles. And for an injection like Depo-Provera, it was five to eight cycles. And a year out from coming off of hormonal contraceptives, good news, pill users are just as likely to have gotten pregnant as those who'd been using non-hormonal methods. A 2011 review of studies on various forms of reversible contraception, meaning hormonal contraception, demonstrated that after stopping oral contraceptives, roughly 80 to 95% of women got pregnant within one year. Now that may sound like a lot, but that's broadly in line with the one-year conception rate following discontinuation of barrier methods like condoms or a diaphragm, or using no contraception at all. The median time to conception was two and a half to three cycles. A 2019 Swedish study used data from the Natural Cycles Fertility Tracking app to investigate this question. The researchers followed women who were using the app to track their cycles in order to become pregnant. Some of the women had been previously using the app in order to prevent pregnancy, while some had recently stopped using hormonal contraceptives. The women formerly using fertility awareness got pregnant in an average of 2.3 cycles, compared to 3.7 for the former hormonal contraceptive users, so a little over a month difference. And after 13 cycles, the former hormonal contraceptive users had caught up such that there was no difference between the two groups. Keep in mind that three months is the average, meaning there are women who don't see their fertility return until six months or even up to a year after discontinuing hormonal contraception. It's important to know that this temporary delay is expected so that women can account for this possibility and adjust their timing for pill discontinuation or time to conception if they're planning to come off the pill with the goal of getting pregnant right away. It's also important to recognize this possibility so you don't automatically assume you have a fertility problem or get rushed into an infertility workup or treatments that you may not actually need and that might resolve spontaneously if you wait a little longer to see if it was just hormonal contraceptive induced delay in return to fertility. 
Well, what about whether the pill ruins your fertility in the long run? Apart from the temporary dip in return to fertility that might occur in the first few months, or less commonly the first year and change after coming off the pill, there's no indication that there are lasting negative effects on fertility, even from long-term oral contraceptive use. In fact, contrary to what we might all have expected, some, though not all studies, have found that women who have been on an oral contraceptive for many years actually have an easier time getting pregnant when they go off. For example, a 2013 Danish study that followed women who were trying to conceive over one year found that the women who had taken an oral contraceptive for more than four or five years got pregnant more quickly than those who had used them for less than two years, and those who'd used an oral contraceptive for more than 12 years had the highest rates of conception. The main hypothesis to explain these findings is that since oral contraceptives inhibit ovulation, perhaps it may prevent the depletion of follicles that naturally occurs over our lifetime, in effect, sparing a woman's eggs, extending her fertile years, and delaying menopause. However, research testing this hypothesis has yielded conflicting results. A 2020 meta-analysis of 17 studies found that oral contraceptive use was associated with modestly later menopause, but that included mostly cross-sectional and retrospective observational studies, types of studies that are prone to bias. While some prospective studies have found no association or even that oral contraceptive use is associated with slightly earlier menopause. A 2001 study found that women who had used high-dose oral contraceptives, the kind that was common before the 1970s, for three years or more had an earlier age of menopause, while those taking lower-dose oral contraceptives, which is much more common now, had no effect on menopausal age. A 2021 study that included over 100,000 women the largest study to this date to tackle this question, found that the use of oral contraceptives had no effect in one way or the other on the risk of early menopause, defined as age before 45. So why in the survey that I mentioned on oral contraceptive users' concerns about fertility did roughly a quarter of women think that oral contraceptive use could diminish ovarian reserve? the quantity and quality of a woman's eggs? This concern likely stems from research showing that anti-mullerian hormone, or AMH, and antral follicle count, AFC, and ovarian volume are lower in women using oral contraceptives. These tests are often used to predict ovarian reserve. For example, a large 2020 study from Denmark found that AMH, AFC, and ovarian volume are all significantly reduced in COC users and that AMH and AFC, but not ovarian volume, were also lower in progestin-only pill users. However, it seems that these reduced markers are a temporary reversible effect of being on the pill rather than reflecting a true low ovarian reserve. A 2019 small prospective Danish study was really reassuring on this front. They followed women who had been using oral contraceptives for an average of eight years, testing them repeatedly over the first few months after they came off the pill, and found that their ovarian reserve markers had returned to normal within two months. As more and more women are delaying having kids and seeking out ovarian reserve testing to give them a sense of how many more fertile years they might have, it's important to be aware that these tests may be falsely low while taking or just coming off of oral contraceptives, and retesting is important after going off the pill for a few months. The fact that these tests aren't reliable markers of ovarian reserve while using oral contraception 
also points to one reason, as some women have suggested in the study I shared with you earlier, that it might be useful to periodically go off of oral contraceptives if you're using it long-term and you're still planning to have kids in the future. As I mentioned, when you're on the pill, your monthly bleed is not a true menstrual period. So you can't rely on it as a sixth vital sign and changes you may otherwise experience where you cycling naturally may go unnoticed. This can lead to early menopause or primary ovarian insufficiency going unnoticed and undiagnosed. It's not that long-term oral contraceptive use caused premature ovarian aging, but that it masked it. If you are a long-term pill user, going off the pill periodically and allowing a natural cycle to resume for a few months may alert you to changes in your menstrual cycle that may point to a possible decline in ovarian function. So if you're concerned, you might consider doing this once a year for a couple of months, particularly if you do plan to conceive in the foreseeable future and have concerns about your fertility. However, medically, it's not considered necessary to do this. If you do decide to go off of your oral contraceptives or any hormonal contraceptives for a couple of months a year, and you're not wanting to get pregnant right then, make sure you're using an alternative method like condoms or a diaphragm, a barrier method. One big question that has come up many times in my work is, how does taking the pill in adolescence affect future fertility? So many women are started on the pill in their teens and remain on them for a decade or longer. Unfortunately, the data on the impact of the pill on future fertility when started in adolescence is not as robust as I would like it to be and as robust as it should be considering how many women start in their teens. That Danish study I mentioned earlier, which found that long-term oral contraceptive use was generally associated with greater fertility, did have one concerning finding. Compared to women who had started using oral contraception when they were 21 or older, those who had first started it at younger ages, especially those below 16, did demonstrate some reduced fertility later on. They also found that those who had used third and fourth generation oral contraceptives had a longer time to conception than those who had used second generation oral contraceptives. Since this wasn't a randomized controlled trial, it's hard to know what's going on here. Since teens are put on the pill, not just for contraception, but often to treat menstrual pain, cycle irregularities, PCOS symptoms, heavy menstrual flow, etc., it's very possible that we see this correlation simply because women who started taking the pill at younger ages were more likely to have underlying reproductive problems that are typically associated with fertility problems. In other words, it's correlation, not causation. Unfortunately, the researchers couldn't determine if that was the case in their study since they didn't have data about the reason the women had started at younger ages. But some researchers have raised concerns that using oral contraceptives in adolescence could have greater risks than taking it in adulthood because at that age, menstrual cycle regularity is still being established in the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis. After a teen's first period, it takes a couple of years or longer, and you may remember this from your own early cycles, for menstrual cycles to become regular. And even once a young woman is menstruating regularly, it typically takes several more years for her to be consistently ovulating during those cycles. So that raises a big question. Could suppressing the HPO axis 
with oral contraceptives during this gradual maturation process interfere with normal development of the reproductive cycle and possibly have long-lasting detrimental impacts on future fertility. Unfortunately, we don't have great data to go on. Oral contraception was tested initially in women in their 20s and 30s, not teens. And despite the many young women using OCs, there haven't been large population-based prospective studies, let alone randomized trials, following women who took oral contraception within a few years of Menarche, the onset of their first period, to see if they developed the same menstrual cycle and ovulatory function, fertility, and reproductive lifespan as peers who never used oral contraceptives or who first went on the pill as adults. Authorities, like the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, support the use of oral contraceptives in teens, and there's no doubt that the ease and convenience the pill offers sexually active teens in terms of reliable pregnancy prevention are clearly significant. But I think we need more research to fully establish the safety of oral contraceptives on the developing HPO axis. In the meantime, I personally recommend erring on the side of caution and not starting our girls on the pill for common symptoms that might otherwise be readily treated with a root cause approach, lifestyle, diet, and nutrition, etc., or a non-hormonal therapy, counseling on other forms of contraception, including the IUD or condoms, taking a multivitamin if they do go on the pill to offset some of the nutritional depletions associated with the pill, and reserving use of hormonal contraceptives in teens for as-needed medical support and contraception when other methods aren't practical for the individual teen. If you did use oral contraceptives during your teen years, as many women do, or your daughter has been on it, please don't freak out and assume the worst. That same Danish study found that the difference between fecundability, the likelihood of getting pregnant in any given menstrual cycle, between those who started on an oral contraceptive under age 16 versus over age 21 was very, very small. Hello, this is Dr. Aviva. If you've ever wished you could just call me up personally and ask your most pressing, hard to find questions about all things women's health, hormones, pregnancy, birth, motherhood, menopause, and more, and children's health questions, guess what? Now you can. All you have to do is call me at 413-889-4549. That's 413 413- 889-4549 and leave a voicemail. You'll find all the instructions you need at the end of that number when you call it. I'll select and answer questions to talk about in upcoming Let's Chat About That podcast segments. So whether you're wanting to know more about your menstrual cycle, birth control, how to improve your fertility, tips for escaping the perfectionism cycle, endometriosis management, menopause, pregnancy, birth, or more, or you have questions about your children's health, this is your chance. There's no question that's silly, TMI, or off limits. And I can't wait to give you the evidence-based answers and conversations you're looking for. Make sure to share this with someone you know who may also want to ask me their most burning questions. Okay, what are you waiting for? Give me a call and get my phone ringing. (laughs) 
So can you do anything to support ovarian health after coming off the pill? Absolutely. If you've come off the pill or other hormonal contraception, it's completely reasonable to simply wait three months and see if your cycle returns and becomes regular on its own in that first three months after stopping it. If it does not, you can wait longer. But I do recommend a basic evaluation for an underlying condition like PCOS or endometriosis that may have been masked while you were on the oral contraceptive, particularly if you had suggestive symptoms prior to beginning the pill or have suggestive symptoms upon discontinuation. Severe cramps, heavy skipped or irregular periods, acne, weight gain, hair loss, hair growth in unwanted places are just some of the symptoms that may indicate that you have an underlying condition whose symptoms were being masked while you were on the pill. It's also possible that a condition, for example, polycystic ovary syndrome, PCOS, or endometriosis emerged but was masked during the time you were on the pill. If you're getting toward the end of your fertile years, so you're perimenopausal, and you still wish to conceive, consider discontinuing the pill with plenty of time to allow for return of fertility. And if this is at all delayed, even for just a few months, in that case, then consider a fertility workup. If you discontinue the pill and you don't have a return to fertility within 13 months, even if you don't plan to conceive soon or at all, I do recommend that any woman who's been on oral contraceptives get tested for ovarian reserve and any other possible conditions that may be related to not cycling to make sure that you don't have premature ovarian aging that developed while on the pill or PCOS. Remember, ovulation is more than just about conception. It provides many protective effects on your health, your physical, emotional, and cognitive well-being. So it's important to properly treat for primary ovarian insufficiency or premature menopause because it can be accompanied by bone loss and other problems that occur in the absence of optimal estrogen and progesterone production that would naturally occur with our menstrual cycles. In a previous article, I offered some nutritional, herbal, and lifestyle tips for supporting hormonal and ovarian health after coming off of the birth control pill. Here are three key takeaways. One, replace missing nutrients. As I mentioned, hormonal birth control pills can deplete the body's sources of certain nutrients. These include vitamins B2, B6, B12, vitamin C and E, and minerals like magnesium, selenium, zinc, and folate. Vitamin D levels may also drop for a few months after coming off the pill. So I recommend that any woman on the pill, and especially if you're coming off the pill and haven't been on one, take a high quality multivitamin and a vitamin D supplement. Ideally start it while you're on the pill. But if you haven't been, continue it for at least several months after you've stopped taking the pill or indefinitely if you're planning to conceive. And that's a great time to make sure that your multivitamin has methylfolate in it, which is really important for protection for your baby before you even get pregnant. Number two is to maintain healthy blood sugar and insulin levels. Some limited research has linked oral contraceptive use with insulin resistance, which can impact ovulation and also lead to symptoms of excess androgens like the acne, hair loss, and unwanted hair if you do have PCOS. 
So while you're on the pill and then after you're off the pill, really learn to regulate and modify your blood sugar. And I'm going to tell you how you can learn to do that in just a minute. And number three, you can support return to ovulation with targeted herbal and nutritional supplementation. Vitex, also called chasteberry, is an herb that regulates ovulation, increases fertility, slightly increases estrogen, and improves progesterone levels. It's a great one to take to help regulate your cycle after coming off the pill, and it's a great herb to use to support healthy conception. Vitamin C also may improve ovulation and progesterone production. Interestingly, melatonin also plays an important role in ovulation and ovarian health. So these are some things that you could add in to support your return to fertility, support your ovarian health, and support your hormone levels after coming off the pill, with the exception of the multivitamin and vitamin D being something you can start prior. And of course, learning to balance our blood sugar is a lifelong important thing for us to do. So back to JJ's question, and perhaps many of your question, of whether taking the pill ruins your fertility. If you haven't already, all the science behind this question strongly suggests you can exhale right now. Studies strongly support that most women will have a spontaneous return to fertility within the first few months after discontinuing hormonal contraceptives. And of those who don't, most of the remainder will by 13 months post-pill. If you are personally eager to conceive at a certain time, make sure to give yourself ample time in case you do have that longer return to fertility. And if you don't experience this return in a time frame that you're comfortable with, so you start getting your menstrual cycle again, your period starts coming, you're ovulating, whether you're trying to conceive or not, it's reasonable to see your healthcare provider for a workup for ovarian reserve fertility and to rule out any conditions that may have been suppressed or which may have arisen while you were on the pill. And for all women, if you're past that 13-month point off the pill and your cycle hasn't returned, it is important to get a workup. It'll help you figure out maybe you were 51 when you came off the pill or 48 and you just went into menopause kind of unnoticed, supported by the hormones, and now you're not cycling anymore. Maybe there is something that does also need attention. Hopefully not, but getting that workup will be really important because if you're still in those years where you're not in menopause, getting that ovulation on is really important for so many protective reasons. And there are further resources for you. For example, if I say so myself, my latest book, Hormone Intelligence, has a whole chapter on supporting ovarian health, ovulation, and fertility with guidance that's relevant to anyone, whether you're struggling with fertility, whether you just came off the pill or not. It's got chapters on PCOS, endometriosis, and more. It's got a whole chapter on getting your blood sugar balanced, as well as five weeks of done-for-you meal plans and nearly a hundred recipes. And it's a wonderful deep dive into the wondrous world of seeing your menstrual cycle as something I mentioned earlier in this episode, a sixth vital sign, a barometer of your total health that you can learn to start using now if you're trying to conceive and even all the way into your beautiful experience of perimenopause and menopause. See you next time. Down, gonna lift it up. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode, that it helped you to feel seen and heard, and perhaps that it even brought you some aha moments. Please share the love by sharing this with a friend or someone in your life who could benefit from the kinds of things we talk about in this space. Also, make sure to follow me on Instagram at dr.avivaram and go to avivaram.com to join the conversation about the show on my blog. While you're there, you can sign up for my free newsletter with tips on taking back your health. Be sure to leave a rating and a review for the podcast and follow the podcast to be notified of new episodes every week. Can't wait to see you next time.